Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Storyteller Academy. Learn the art of storytelling from published authors, illustrators, and editors at Storyteller Academy. From making picture book dummies, to character design, to their submission-ready workshop. If you are interested in writing or drawing stories for children, there is a workshop waiting for you. Sign up today at StorytellerAcademy.com. I saw that. I've read, read some of her first novels before. Yeah. Like yeah, even like Planet Middle School, which was like ages and ages and ages. Yeah, ages ago, right? I've had that in my libraries that I've worked in. Yeah, so there's that and then That book she has, it was maybe two years ago. The book she has about the Harlem Renaissance is phenomenal. I agree. I just gushed all over that book. I mean I love that book. I love even the cover of that book. I love Oh yeah. God, it was amazing. There is nothing like talking to book people about mutual admirations and adorations. And that's how my conversation with today's guest began, sharing lots and lots of love for poet-author Nikki Grimes and her magnificent book, One Last Word, Wisdom from the Harlem Renaissance. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 517. Today I'm speaking with Padma Venkatraman. Badma's newest middle grade novel is The Bridge Home, and it is a book that I absolutely adore. So much so, in fact, that I had a really difficult time not talking in too great of specifics with Badma, particularly with regards to the book's ending. But no worries, this conversation is spoiler-free. The Bridge Home centers on two sisters, Viji and Ruku, who are orphaned at the hands of an abusive father and a mother who's too afraid to leave him. Viji is the caretaker of her sister, and in no small way these girls are survivors. Adma writes from a place of experience, strength, and survival herself, and she shares a sentiment on recording that I want you to listen for, because I think it's such an important and powerful phrase. She says, quote, You are not going to shape who I am. This conversation is just for you, dear listeners. Please welcome my guest, Padma Venkatraman, author of The Bridge Home. I'm Padma Venkatraman, and I go by the pronouns she, her, or hers, and I am the author of The Bridge Home and other books, but 
the bridge home is my latest baby so it's getting all of my love and attention and it's also a book that feels really very personal to me uh, much more personal in some ways than some of my other novels in part because it's begins with a scene that was actually really tough for me to write and it's about um it's the scene where two sisters run away from home because of violence at home and that was part of my life and that's you know that makes the whole book sort of seem very personal to me one of the reasons one of the many reasons oh my goodness i had no idea padma but first i should say thank you for joining me to talk. I, as you know, because we had that rare opportunity to meet before talking, I got to meet you at a conference and tell you that I just love your book. Actually, did I say this on record to you before that I was listening to your audiobook When we met, I was maybe three quarters of the way through and I finished listening in the on the plane, on the flight home and just I was just destroyed in the most beautiful way by the story of these girls. And I realized by the end how much I truly loved these girls during our story. Um, so thank you. Thank you for trusting us with Fiji's story and Ruku's story. And also in the audiobook, thank you for reading the story to me. <laughs> thank you. You know, it means so much to me when someone says that. Um, and, you know, it's kind of an odd thing, isn't it? As a writer, you like to talk, at least I always talk about like compassion and all this stuff. But then yes. when someone says that they were like destroyed or they cried, I, you know, there's a part of me going like, yes, 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 which is not very compassionate. Well, I always think it's magical, amazing, whatever the adjective might be, that someone is able to write and edit and edit and write and go through editors and critique groups and all of that and still come out the other side with something that affects a reader as purely as a story like this. But it happens and it's beautiful when it does so. I actually, I'm with you, celebrate. I was crying and I was like, Padma, you did this to me. But it also made me adore your work and maybe more importantly it made me it made me see Fiji and it made me see Ruku as real people and it made me now carry them with me that when I talk about this book with um, my readers when I'm introducing them I hold back that ending of course because I want them to experience it but I talk to them with the knowing I know right. what will I know that you will care for these characters and so when they too read this book they will be cared for like I was but I also know that there are going to be moments of of deep passion and sorrow and seeing one another and friendship and compassion and just we're we're, we're all there with all the feels if we want to say that wonderful phrase all the feels in Padma's book <laughs> Yeah, and you know, to me, the laughter is really important too, and the humor and the silliness, because I, you know, Ruku and Viji and Motu and Arul are very real to me in other ways as well. So I don't know if I told you this, but I actually, when I was a kid, my mother did a lot of volunteer work. And, uh, you know, I didn't grow up very wealthy, but she volunteered to work with these kids who had experienced like, you know, dire poverty the kind that I have only seen in India where kids would like scavenge off rubbish dumps to 
make wow. you know scavenge something to sell and one of the girls i knew had actually lived in a graveyard matthew and when really you know, yeah and the thing i think about is you know two things first of all she didn't you know we, we became friends because we laughed together right not because she told me these sob stories in the beginning and then we got really close and then she said this and one of the things that i always think about is now i'm a scientist i don't believe in ghosts but if you try to stick me in a graveyard for one hour i don't think i would make it you know all alone at night and that kid when she was a kid she had to do that because she was running away from you know uh people who wanted to enslave her essentially and wow. when i think about that and the fact that you know to me the book is also kind of magical because i started it and i didn't even realize because all i heard was like one voice of one sister speaking to another sister and i knew they were separated and i couldn't understand why and i wanted to know why so i followed that and then suddenly you know maybe 3/4 of the way through the book that i was writing i suddenly realized that it was in the story that in some way had you know changed and so on but it was really that story that i was writing and when i was a kid i would like i always knew i wanted to write so i would like scribble away in little notebooks and stuff and she told me she said padma will you write my story one day and you know this book is is that it's that promise oh well i think that by giving fiji the voice and by allowing it to be that she is telling her sister the story of their survival right their survival from their uh you 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 hinted at this in the beginning of the story but that you've got this really as you said a really difficult opening that um the mother is is in an abusive relationship with the father but says i have to stay with him i have to right um and so it's it's the girls that decide rather vigi that decides we need to go i love i i've, I've marked i have whenever i read a novel even on audio i will pause the audio just to just to um dog ear pages cuz then it's <laughs> this is my book so on my book i want to remember those those phrases one of the first things i ever marked do you mind if i read to you i want to make sure, sure. that that's okay yeah of course one of the first things i ever marked was um when vigi says the more i thought about our differences the surer i felt that i could protect you better than she could she hadn't tried to stop apa from beating us all she'd done was beg i would never become like her i promised myself i'd never beg anyone for anything that is what page am i on? this is very very early in the i don't know page 10 10 or 11 it says that we're right at the start and we see already you give our narrator you give the sister the strength to say i will protect you my younger sister i will make sure that nothing that nothing happens to you and in that way you know you're caring for that reader too and it's it's just beautiful hey can you read my next audiobook you are no. <laughs> could i do that i will totally I mean, you know that I, i've said I, 
I don't mean to make this about me, but I've said before that unfortunately I'm such a slow reader that I I rely on audiobooks and the only time I'm getting through novels that are not on audio is when my wife and I or rather when I read them aloud to my wife. Ooh. And we have done that ever since we were dating. We've we the first book we ever read aloud together was The Tale of Despero by Katie Camillo. Um oh, and we've so since read yeah, we've since read so many books together. Um, but I, and then we had children and then it changed a little bit because they didn't want to read novels with us. They wanted to read other things. <laughs> but, um, even now that's, that's the way I get through novels is that uh, if there's not an audiobook, I, for some reason, I just can't, I'm such a slow reader that I just can't read it in my head. I lose myself. I lose track. I can't remember what's going on, but if I read it aloud, it's as if it's as if I'm, I'm speaking that story. And so I don't know, it just builds memory easier for me there must be some like physiological reason why all this happens right but i i just am aware now as a 34 year old that that's the way i can remember stories is if i hear them (laughs) hey everybody they say that thing about you know different learners don't they that's true that's true wait but you threw out by the way you threw out being a scientist not that you can explain to me why reading happens as a reader but what took you into the world of working in science and then also um, having a foot in or maybe following, I don't know if you're still a scientist, but following that trail, that path all the way into writing for children. Tell me a little bit about you and then I do want to return to our girls. <laughs> sure. Um, so I I think I spoke to you about the fact that my childhood, well, I hinted at it, but it wasn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. And so there are men in my family who are violent and, you know, it's not something that, you know, strangely enough in my part of the South Asian Indian community, people don't like to discuss that. They just shove it under the carpet. And so, you know, it's tough for me to even speak about that, but it's certainly something that I carry with me inside the hurt. I mean, so much of it, right. The hurt is one thing, but also the fact that I survived, I don't like to think of myself as a victim of abuse. I think of myself always as a survivor of abuse. And um, that impression when I was a child, it, it was directed a lot at me. And my mother did leave my father, my father kicked us out of the house, basically, but then she had a good education. And she was able to live alone in India, which was like, you know, unheard of at the time. Really? It was very tough. And so, you know, adults used to bully me, kids used to bully me. It was, it was an interesting time, but I think all of that made me really want to be certain that when I grew up, I would be financially independent. And I love mathematics. So I just figured, you know, and I could, not that I had like any role models of color that were scientists necessarily in front of me, but I could see people who were scientists making a living and somehow I never saw anybody who was a writer making a living. So I was like, you know, I want something sure. And to me, that was science. And, you know, I cared a lot about the environment and I grew up near the ocean. So oceanography and sort of environmental science within oceanography, chemistry of uh, pollutants was something that, that really occupied my attention was very interesting to me. And I thought, hey, why not? So I spent all these years of my life learning things like thermodynamics and hydrodynamics. And now I am writing. 
I think that is awesome that you have packed away all of that knowledge. And that also there's that, not that there wasn't a creative part of your brain active in that. I know that, that, you know, creativity expresses itself in different ways, in different situations, but that um, also all of that work, there was still stories nipping at you, still stories that were important. But I want to acknowledge actually first, thank you, Padma, for sharing those stories with us and for trusting us. I I admire uh, that you recognize yourself as a survivor. I wonder, um, can you recall at what age you you were able to identify yourself as a survivor? There's such great strength in that as well. You know, something that I don't think I've ever th- talked about, um, certainly not publicly, but there was this one time, Matthew, I was about seven maybe because my parents hadn't separated yet. And and I had done something that was really silly, but it was there was like nothing mean, nothing wrong. Um, and it was a fight between me and, and a neighbor neighboring kid. And my father, for some reason, he was angry. He, you know, initially I was very rich. So my, when my father was with us, you know, my brother, my brothers and everybody else who was out of the house by then, I was a bit of a shock. They used to play polo for the state and that sort of thing. He took the horse whip off the wall and he actually whipped me with it um, publicly. Oh, my God. And I remember at that point, you know, the only thing that I can, I I mean, I know there was pain, but I don't remember the pain. What I remember the most was thinking, you are bigger than me, but I will not let you make me cry. You're bigger than me, but I'm not going to cry. And I think, you know, in some way, that was it for me. Like, I didn't identify it. But when I think back to that moment, I think I I just knew you are not going to shape who I am. You are not going to shape who I am. And, you know, my brothers and sisters, to whom, to whom he really, my brothers and one sister, actually, they would, as an adult, after my parents separated, they would constantly you know, blame him for anything that went wrong in their lives. And I also remember at that point thinking, I'm never going to do that. I am who I am. And I'm not going to let bad experiences define me. I mean, it's not easy, by the way, there are things that I carry still, you know, scars, but, but I try not to. Like, I mean, I try not to let that define me. And it's taken me so long to speak about that. And but I realized that it's really important for me. So, you know, when I've been speaking about the book, there's been at least one kid in the United States that came up to me later on and told me his story of uh, parental abuse and violence and, you know, shared that with me. And then I was able to speak to somebody at the school. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and then I was in Trinidad not, not so long ago. and. It was astounding. I mean, several girls and even some older women who, who shared their stories with me. And I think if I if I can be that first person, if I can be that 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 you know key maybe that just unlocks this ability for them to speak up and share and then empower themselves and put themselves in a place of strength and safety, that is like the greatest blessing for me. I think it's such a blessing to know that your that your 
out in front of children, not or that also that your life is on the page and that when children read the bridge home, they get to see that they get to see. I mean, you don't, you don't shy away from it, Padma. It's a very hard start to the book. And I, yeah. as I keep describing it, trying to find, what do you call this story? I find myself saying not that the children are runaways, but that they were orphaned from an abusive father. Right. They had no choice but to go. They no longer had parents. Um, that, yeah, it's 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 a tremendous thing you're doing. Not just the vulnerability that it took to find how to articulate your your truth into this story, how to translate it into this story, but also how to make space for your readers. And I'm 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 so grateful that you did. I'm so grateful that this beautiful book found me and I I have my own connections to that. And I it, it I guess it doesn't surprise me that you say that there were adults that were making those connections because perhaps they didn't feel like they had permission in their lives prior to this to acknowledge it. Yeah. Oh, but you know, Matthew, I'm not so fantastic. The kids who are fantastic are those kids that I knew growing up. I mean, the dire poverty they went through and that ability to laugh that they preserved through all that they had seen. I mean, every part of my life, I know I went through some really tough stuff. I would never wish my childhood on anyone. But those kids had, I mean they saw so much and they were still just vibrant and you know laughing and and so brave when did you move from india i moved when i was about 19 so i came here when there were no cell phones there were no uh no <laughs> no and so actually when i came to this country i was like in a place in india where um we did, I didn't know any, uh, sorry, in, in America, where I didn't know anybody. And I had to, you know, I was, you know, graduate students don't make a lot of money. I came here for graduate school. I know that was very young to come to graduate school, but I was here for graduate school. Everybody else seemed older. And I could only like call my mom once a month for three minutes. Because, you know, those days the operator would come on and they'd be like, uh, another minute. And you're like, no, because you didn't have that much money. and. Um, yeah, so it was an interesting experience because it was something I never thought about. But now when I think back on that, I think, my goodness, I mean, I don't want my daughter moving halfway across the world on her own with the ability to only speak to me once a month for three minutes, you know? <laughs> but Well, I I think that um I, I think that to to have all of those years, those formative years uh there but to be able to walk away and carry the message of finding the ability to laugh is just astounding it's making me smile through it and it's making me think of the bridge home and making me think of those moments you've woven into that story where where i can see that truth coming out yeah i so so tell me about how how this story first blossomed did it start with with that story of your childhood and your father, did it start with 
I don't know, sometimes characters I know just have a way of walking into our lives. So I wonder I wonder what the entryway was for you with the bridge home. You know, for all of my books, I feel like the first thing is like I can hear this head this voice in my head and it's really, really like loud. And I know it's not like metaphoric. I feel like I can hear it like as well as I can hear someone in the room. And you know, it's just sort of demanding that I listen. And so I listen and then I write and I write. And then at some point, I think I know that this is going to be a book when the voice kind of takes over and then it's this movie in my head. And then over and above that, by the time I'm like rewriting and rewriting the book and I'm really into it and everything and, you know, editing and all that, I start to dream. I don't dream off my characters. I dream as them so that's kind of odd I know but I feel like I in the dream I am Ruku or I am Viji or I am Mutu or I am Arul you know so I dream that like <laughs> that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> you and that, that's so neat and that you 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 are Viji and then you have her voice in this story but to know that I love this notion of of imagining you at whatever time you like sit down to write or just while you're like out getting groceries and suddenly you're hearing this voice speak to you, but how compelling it must be to hear that voice and then to adventure into writing down what the voice is telling you without a clear sense. I, from what I'm hearing from you, it sounds like there's not a clear sense of what is going to be revealed, but just trusting that trusting, trusting the voice. Yeah, you know, I kind of love those people that are in my head. I I fall in love <laughs> with them. So then I listen. And then they take me places. Oh, you know, sometimes they don't, I have to say. Sometimes once in a while they just like show up for a little while and then they go and then I don't know where they are. And uh you know, every time though after they show up and they've really like possessed me, it's kind of like a ghost, you know. I feel like I'm first haunted and then after that I feel like I'm possessed. And when it gets to that possessed, possess, uh, whatever, poss- uh, possessing stage, Pos- yeah, yeah, my uh, husband and my daughter like tell me to send them away from the table when we're at dinner sometimes because uh, um, I'm there, I'm kind of listening to them, but I also kind of am not. <laughs> <laughs> so, have you ever had in these voices? of the characters that are greeting you and and not yet knowing what the story is going to be. Have you, have you had different voices end up realizing that, that, that they're connected to the same story or does it tend to be that, I don't know that Viji's voice is what led you into the bridge home. And then the other characters um, just sort of made sense to tell or I, I, I don't know. This is like such a fanciful thing. I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm losing myself in your process. <laughs> no, no. Uh, totally fine. It's usually the, that there's, you know, in this particular story, I felt very much like Viji's voice was there. But yeah. then I just, you know, for me, I could, as she was telling the story, I could just, I, I mean, I love Ruku, my God. I mean, I love Ruku and I love Mutu and I love Arul just I don't want to, like I said, you know, it's not a good thing to like pick who your favorite is when you have like four kids plus the dog, whom I also the love. dog. <laughs> <laughs> but so, but I love them all, and I could just, my God, I mean, each of them is so distinct, and 
so compelling to me as as people that I wanted to spend my time with. So I one of the things I walked away most strongly in your story is this notion of selflessness. And I feel like I'm hearing it in the stories of your friends from childhood as well. Support for the Children's Book Podcast comes from Bharat Babies. Bharat Babies produces children's books about India with a story for everyone. I've featured their books several times on the podcast, and now I've got a special offer for you, dear podcast listener. Visit bharatbabies.com and get $5 off any purchase of $19.95 or more when you use the offer code READINGISRAD. That's Barat Babies, B-H-A-R-A-T-B-A-B-I-E-S dot com. Offer code reading is rad. I'm watching our time, by the way. I'm, I'm trying to be really cognizant of that. But I just had this moment of remembering our first interaction because the first time I saw your book, I was like, whoa look at that cover. And I believe that your and my first interaction was something like me sharing it on, I don't know, Instagram, just saying like, whoa, look at this cover. <laughs> and you saying something along the lines of like, I know, right? <laughs> and then and then me going, wait, that's the woman whose name is on the cover of the book. <laughs> but it's such a beautifully designed cover and it it, it just speaks to what what a cover can do to entice oh for those that that haven't seen it yet it'll be I'll, I'll i'll put it on the show notes what you have a setting sun and a, a a bridge uh where these four individuals and their dog are running across the bridge and and you have a city in the background and it's just orange it's it's just a wash in a setting sun, which to me, like, I'm not trying to read too much into this, but there's, there's just so much imagery laden in that image that I, that it just, I don't know, makes me want to just go back and listen to you, read it to me again. (laughs) I love that. I mean, I'm, you know. So Padma, is there anything about the bridge home that we didn't talk about tonight? I feel like we got to talk about VG. I did such a good job about not spoiling the ending even though I'm going to like get off the call and just only talk to you about the ending. But uh, we talked about the beautiful cover and Nancy Paulson. Is there anything else that we didn't have a chance to touch on that you want to make sure that listeners and readers get to get to know about this book before we wrap up our conversation? Oh my gosh. There's like, I, I don't know. I'm sure there's a million things, but I can't think of them. Uh, I think, I think we did a, Oh, good job of all the most important things, no? And I mean, oh, you know, there is one thing that I want to say, which is that it it really means a so, so, so much to me that it's a global read aloud this upcoming year. So the fact that kids around the world are going to read it between September 30th and, you know, on after that for six weeks, that's huge for me because I really want kids and adults when they read the book to just you know, when they close the book, I want them to keep Viji and Ruku and Arul and Mutu in their hearts and do something. Uh, you know, we talked about that, Matthew, and I, I really hope that some of those plans that I had for, you know, helping 
everybody that reads the book just do at least a little bit to make the world a place that that won't be so difficult for you know children especially but just not no human being should have to go through the things they did no. so i think that's that's my biggest hope for the book and you know especially that power of all of those readers coming together with this book i really hope that i can help use that platform even more to make changes and you know there's one more thing actually matthew and i'm thinking about this and that's i love the boys in the bridge home because they are such heroes in a different way than sort of the macho i'll bash you up hero that you normally see uh that are, that's male so you know that's it yeah those boys the boys yeah. that have even when when they're considering to accept the friends or not to accept help in a different moment of the book or not yeah, yeah you've you've really made a cast of characters a cast of children in particular who have the tools to figure it out together, but on their own. And that that space to do that, um, I think, is really important. The space to try to fail, to know that your friends are there. Even if yeah. you don't feel like you deserve their kindness, they are there. Yeah. Yeah. And that, they, that these boys also had the compassion they did for Ruku. Yeah. Just, Hey, can I ask you, you said that Viji's voice came to you. Mm -hmm. So let me ask, just if I can ask this intimate question, what did Viji tell you about Ruku? What are some of those initial words that helped to start um, forming Ruku in, in your mind? I think she was always there. I know this sounds really crazy, but, you know, as... Viji started to speak, I saw Ruku and I just love Ruku so much. And the fact that in a way, even though, you know, even the fact that sort of Viji was telling me about Ruku, I could already feel Ruku's own voice and, you know, her like her whole character. And, and she's just such a powerful, fully there character in my head. And she's so well, I don't know, to me, she's just so amazing. And the fact that she turns things around at one point so that, you know, she is the financial, here I am now, maybe I'm giving things away too, but... I love it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, maybe I should just shut up there. But I just I just love the, the dynamic that changes in a way in that sister sisterhood relationship. And yeah, I love that. And, you know, Roku is very much to me also based on somebody that I knew. Um, and and that's huge. Just, I love her. I love her. I love Mutu. Mm-hmm. I love Arun. I love them all. Oh, Mutu. Well, I, I should say, too, I, I can tell how you love them. I know you had to audition to read your audiobook, <laughs> right? That's the right way to put it. Uh, yeah. You had to audition to read your audiobook. But it is so clear how much that love between the sisters especially comes through and how much you love how much you love those girls in the way that you read them i can hear i mean i'm re- realizing now that you know ruku's voice is your voice but i can still hear the the lightness the the bells almost ringing as she talks um it's just wonderful so i should just a say this 
thank you, Badma, because of not just the story that you told and the way that you put your heart onto this page, but also the literal way you shared your story through that audiobook with me and with others that will listen to your story. I think that that is a really special way to experience a story. And it was really, really neat for me to know that it was you on the other end. So thank you for that. Oh, thank you. I'm just so lucky and I feel so happy that Linda Korn, the producer, allowed me to do that. It was really, really special. Well, for all of those readers for Global Read Aloud that will find this story, that will encounter this story, that will just maybe even have that intimate connection of the reader and the librarian connecting, much like my students will when we come back in August, Um, I want to bring us back to them. And I'll say it this way. I will see a library full of children tomorrow morning, Padma. (laughs) Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? Yes. And I was thinking about it. And I think the message I'd like you to carry to them tomorrow is just this. I hope that they'll use words to build bridges and that they'll use words to break walls. And I think it's so very important, especially at this time in our world's history. And I hope they'll also read books that build bridges and books that break walls. This is Darshna Kiani, children's author and book blogger. Want to find out the latest South Asian books and children's literature? Check out www.flowering-minds.com forward slash South Asian Kidlet. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by Matthew Winner in his library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 400 episodes at matthewcwinner.com forward slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out with the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. Before we leave, I want to give a shout out to all of my patrons, those folks who are supporting the podcast and keeping the lights on care of our Patreon page. Thank you, Jenny, Sue, Amy, Sarah, Kate, Lisa, Darshna, Marianne, Jarrett, Anitra, Mike, Lynn, Link, Corina, Cynthia, Elaine, Doug, Judy, Amanda, Ruth, Laura, Teresa, and others who are coming with me on this journey. You're welcome to come with us too. Just visit patreon.com slash Matthew C. Winner and pick the support tier that's right for you. Teamwork makes the dream work, and each of you are helping to provide the tools necessary to make this podcast even greater. Thank you. We know you value what you put in front of your kids. 
especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.